Thank you very much, Mary, for reading the passage for us. And uh, first of all, I want to thank each one of you who has been praying for me during this week as I was preparing this message. Thank you very much. I appreciate that because it makes me understand and see and feel that in that journey, I'm not alone. And that I have brothers and sisters who also are going through the journey. Uh, let us pray together again. Father, we are so thankful and grateful to you for the way that in every way you have provided, provided for us. Beginning from the salvation that you have given us from your Son, Jesus Christ. But the redemption and adoption in your family. And even the glory that you prepare for us as your children. Father, I thank you for the instruction of your word. Because indeed, it has pleases you to have your word recorded for us, for our teaching, for our education, for our correction, Father. So that in every way we will grow into your knowledge, but into your character. We thank you for that. We thank you because you did not let us alone, but you work in us through your spirit to make us better. But as we together again listen to your word and are called to ponder and meditate on it, Lord, I pray that you would just teach us, that you would just make that word sound anew, afresh into our heart, into our soul. Father, would you instill into our heart the desire to apply your word into our life, to model our conduct and actions according to your word in the world, so that in everything you will shine brighter and be glorified. I praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Well, um, last Sunday, our dear brother Dave introduced us to a wonderful family, the Light Love family. And if you remember well, he was walking us through, he was walking us through the idea that in that family there is a new way of living, a new way of actually embracing a new identity and leaving behind the old identity that we have received when we're born in and the new one that we're called to embrace as we enter into the new family. So that's what, what we started to do and to see in, in, the, in the new chapter that we are now starting in, into, which is in Ephesians 5, from verse 1 to 21. And our brother wonderfully read for us verse 21 and in fact even read verse 22 which verse 21 we say submit to one another out of reverence to Christ now in the section that we're going to see here from verse uh, 22 into chapter 5 9 is very very specific passage of core of instruction which is directed not to the all church, but to a group within the church, the household family. If you read correctly, you'll find that everything that was said in chapter four and that will, was, will come after this section related to the whole church as an assembly. But when we come to verse 22 and verse, uh, uh, to verse, uh, and, and verse 22 of chapter five, verse uh, 
9 of chapter 6, we see that really Paul is focusing the lens, is focused on the family, on the household as well. I want to let you know that um, I am in that journey with you. Today, I will be speaking specifically from about verse 21 to 33. And our next Sunday, our brother Louis is going to continue the rest of the core of the teaching which is related to the household, addressing fathers and, 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 and children and servants and, 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 and their masters. So, I would like as a start to call a specific attention to verse 21. We read that submit to one another out of the reverence to Christ. My argument is that this verse here is related to the ensemble of the church. It's given to the whole body. How the whole body needs to relate to each other. This submission that is here referred to, nonetheless, is for the whole body. But as we come to verse 22 and we read, Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband, so that if any of them do not... Oh, sorry, I'm reading uh, a wrong passage. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of whom he is the Savior. Now, as the church submit to Christ, also wives should submit to their husband in everything. I'm saying that this submission that is here referring, called and asked for the women, is not the same submission or does not display in the same way that the whole body is called to submit. What I mean by that, the woman, the wife, let me use my word rightly, the wife, to make a difference between women in general and the wife, is called to submit to her husband. Not the same kind of submission that she will have to another sister or to another brother within the church. She's specifically called to submit to her husband in the same way that the love that the husband is called to express to his wife is not, this, is not manifest in the same way that he is called to love the rest of the body, of the friend, of the brothers and sisters in the church. So these are very specific Called to women, to wives and husbands within the church. Now, I know we experience that in the church life, this passage that we're going to look today has been either misinterpreted or has done many, many hurt within the church. Whether by emphasis, one element of in the relationship or the other, whether putting emphasis on the submission of the wife, or in other, in other, in other time, and putting emphasis on the love that the husband needs to have for his wife. It is true, women is called to submit to a husband. Husband is called to love his wife. Hmm. We find that throughout the Bible or throughout the, the, the teaching of the New Testament. If you read, for example, 
in some parallel passage that present in Colossians 3, 18 and 9. Wives, submit yourself to your husband as fitting into the law. Husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Wife, this is in 1 Peter 3, 5 and 6. In the same way, submit yourself to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your life, your beauty should not come from artwork adornments such as elaborate hairstyle or the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfailing beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is a great word in God's sight. Well, this is the way that the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husband, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughter if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husband, in the same way, be considerate to your life in, as you live with your wife and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heir with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So just to give you a scope of the teaching, which I believe that we have to take in a whole, there is this reality of the call to submission and of the call of love. Now, today's passage in Ephesians specifically, we see that Paul, to encourage both husband and wife in their responsibility toward each other uses another ground, a very profound and solid ground, which is Christ and the church. If we look to verse 31, or exactly beginning at, at the end of verse 20, you see, after all, no one ever hated his own body. But they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is profound, a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. This verse, exactly verse 31, if you are familiar with, your, with the Word of God and you read your Bible, you find that it's the quotation, word by word, from Genesis 2.24. Now, when was that passage used in Genesis? It was used after God had put Adam to sleep and then from his side created Eve and brought it to him. And Adam saw Eve and said, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Very happy. And then we have this quoting. Now, because of that, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two of them will become one flesh. Yet in this passage, Paul is not using this verse in regard to Adam and Eve, but to Christ and the church. I believe this has a profound truth that God wants to instill and show to us. And what truth this is? That marriage is built of, between a man and his wife, is built 
on the foundation of the blueprint of Christ's relationship with each other. Before creation, God had Christ and the church. That was his blueprint. When he created Adam and he brought Eve and he installed the same, the first marriage, his was idea was to display into them that blueprint. That is the foundation on which Paul wants to encourage husband and wife as they look into their responsibilities for each other. We can also argue and understand then that Adam put him being put to sleep so that Eve will come to life was a foretelling of Christ's death and resurrection so that the church will come to life. And if you remember, we sang many songs this morning that display that reality, the reality of Christ giving his life so that we will come to him so that the church will be. So, when you come here, if ever you forget everything, the big idea that I want to, you to get is that that blueprint on which husband and wife are called to, 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 to model their attitude, their conduct, is still valid. Even if, as a husband and wife, we fail. It's still valid. We are still called to walk to toward it and to imitate that blueprint. Now, how does that blueprint has to manifest, has to display itself in our relationship? I argue again that it will display in a different way or through a different calling, both to husband and wife. Now, if we pay, pay close attention to the words that are directed to the, to, the, to the wife, it says, women, submit to your husband. Wives. Wives. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll ask you to correct me every time that women comes instead of wife. Because the call is different. And this is very, very serious. We have to understand that the call is different. If you are not a wife yet, yeah. understand that this word here doesn't really address you. Wives, submit to your husbands. Submit yourself to your husband as to the law. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submit to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. These are pretty very, very huge word directed to the women. Imagine, let's imagine ourselves that we are women and wife into a room. The Lord comes, he says wife and his husband, the wife and the and the husband is asked the husband, would you please get out of the room? Because I want to talk to the wife. And he direct this word to her. This is how I want you to be. This is why 
I want where I want you to follow me. Sometimes, as I said earlier, that we have a tendency to want to uh, to to um, to put uh, one over the other, the submission of women over the necessity of the love of the husband, or the love of the husband over the necessity of the woman. And both women and, and wives and husband would sometimes complain about one another, about that, that point. The man may say, she's not submitted enough to me. Or the woman may say, he doesn't love me enough. I think that what the Lord is saying here is exactly the same thing that he, he said to Peter. When John was coming after them, and he asked him, Would you, do you love me? And he said, I do. He said, take care of my sheep. After a while, Peter turned and saw John and asked him, what about him? What will happen to him? And the Lord answered, does it matter to you if I want him to leave or to be alive until I come? What, I, what I'm asking you is to follow me. So I believe that that's exactly the kind of, of, of calling that God is making to the, to the woman here, but also to, do, to the man as we'll see in the rest of the verse. Two words or some words very, very strong I use, like submit, head, in everything. One might wonder, how can we understand that? How can we understand these words? First of all, the submit here means to place or to be ranked something or someone under, to subject oneself or something to, to obey. And we find the same word used in Ephesians 1, 22. And God placed all things under his feet. Talking about Christ. Appointed him to be head of everything for the church. In Corinthians 5, 15, 22, we read, For he has put everything under his feet. Now when he says that everything has been put under him, speaking of Christ, it's clear that the one who included, uh, the one who put everything under him is not included, meaning God himself. So, in Ephesians 5, 22 that we just read also, we read that submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. We see that that word even is used when we talk in, uh, in the relationship regarding Christ and the Father. And it doesn't seem to connect any, um, any um, wrong connection, or any, any, any real connection on that. It also said that as the husband is the head, and that word head, then what does it mean? We know what the head is in the body. Sometimes we talk about the head uh, in, in some capital uh, uh, penalty. They'll say that okay, the one who does that will have his head up, head cut off, meaning that he's going to die. We are taking off his his life. In this sense, in the figurative sense, it means the one who is the chief, the leader, is prominent, has supremacy over another. And this is again 
a word that is used in regarding to Christ. And God put everything under his hand and put him head over the church. Meaning, Christ has supremacy compared to the church. He's prominent and also he's the chief and the leader of the church. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And he said, in everything. What does that everything mean? Well, everything can mean everything. In my translation, I put it in every situation of an aspect of a marital life. So, in marriage, there is a kind of play which is unique to marriage, which doesn't come when you are not married. I have here in the room my wonderful sister, Jessie. Jessie has just finished uh, 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 university and is graduated. She had a diploma. She's a very, very intelligent young lady. She is, in a sense, a one master, a one head, until the day she will get married. When she gets married, she's saying to God, I am willing to have this man that I'm choosing for you to be head of the man. In that moment, she, is, she has him as a head. She doesn't have a head when she's living alone. She doesn't have to submit to anybody. She doesn't have, in fact, to submit to any man. If the man starts to date her and say, that, oh, you're not submitting to me, he's not her husband. She doesn't have to submit to him. So that play always only comes with the context of marriage. And I, I wish and I want us to have that theory in our, into our heart and mind. As we said, this is, it can sound very harsh and very difficult. In fact, in all the, the rest of the passage that we've seen the word used in regard to the woman, it's kind of difficult. So what then, how, how can a woman be encouraged as she hears the call from God? I think that as she thinks and she ponders about what it means and how that can play out in a relationship with God, the word of God here in Ephesians give us two clues. Two clues that can help her in understanding, in pondering, in reflecting, in living out this reality. As you do to the Lord. She has to submit to her husband, or she has to submit to her husband, looking to the way that she submits to Christ. As you do to the Lord. Meaning that she has a relationship with Christ. Meaning that Christ is head over her life. And I'm sure that she can think, how does that submission to Christ is? How does submission to Christ plays in her life as a Christian? Because a submission to her husband will flow from the reality of that submission to, us, to Christ himself. And as I was pondering about that, I think, well, the demand or the, the requirement seems so 
tie that it will be impossible for the wife to be able to leave like this unless she has Christ, unless she's a Christian, unless she's submitted to Christ. And then the second clue that is given her is the church. Has the church submitted to Christ? How does that play in the matter of the church? How does submission to Christ play for the church? As I reflect about that, I think that the church loved the Lord Jesus Christ and the church in general has in heart to really embrace the reality of his headship over her. She embraced that she's willing to follow him, she's willing to obey him. She listened to his voice. She go to him for help in her needs. From her relationship to Christ, her attitude and action to the world he displayed. So that can be a clue to wives as they ponder about how that submission to the head can play in my life. And I'm saying this, I hope that this is an encouragement. Because I see Ephesians 5, 22, 33 as an encouragement for us. In a practical, I was thinking of some practical aspect of that, of that meaning. And I found that, well, okay, really, it could mean that she accepts the reality of her husband as her heart in their relationship. She values her husband and esteems him to the point of considering him a lord. And I'm taking that from 1 Peter 3, 5 and 6, where he said that Sarah was submitting to Abraham at the point of calling him a lord. She's called to respect him. I see that in verse 33. Women respect the husband. To not take authority over him. Well, if you're familiar with uh, the history of Israel, Isabel had authority over her husband. She was the one basically directing the kingdom. Okay? That's not the kind of, of attitude that I believe that God is calling the wife of the wife to. Not be disputing or contentious. She's called to voice out her opinion and her wisdom and judgment and desires. She's not called to be silenced. It's wonderful because uh, a few months ago we were having, we were looking into the book uh, Spirituality uh, and Healthy, Healthy uh, uh, Spirituality Maturity with Nick. And one of the things, uh, the key point that we're looking into is the false peacemaker. The idea that because I'm a Christian or because I'm a follower of the Lord, I'm not supposed to express things that bothers me. To keep it because of a so-called peace. That's not the right peace. That's not the kind of peace that we're talking about. To have peace, you need to voice out the concern, the preoccupation, the opinion. And wife is called to do that. Her submission to her husband doesn't mean that 
her husband, she needs to follow her husband in every kind of decision that he's making that goes against her conscience, mm -hmm. against the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because she has a head over him, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. A very bad example of that, uh, that submission, I believe, can be seen in the history, in the story of, of um, Ananias and Sapphira. I think that when they, they, they got together to sell the, 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 the land and decide how they were going to, to, to handle that, that Anania was the one who instilled to his wife what they needed to do. And she followed him in that. That was not the kind of submission that she needed to, to, go, to, to go to. She could have said, I really respect you. You are the head here. But in what you ask me to do goes against what the Lord wants me to do. I won't follow you. And by doing that, she's not being submitted. In fact, she's really being submitted. She's not called to keep silent and endure any type of physical, moral, or emotional abuse from her husband. She's willing, that doesn't mean that she's willing to submit to Christ in every domain. She takes from him how he should conduct herself in every Christian. Meaning that although she inquire from her husband in any any aspect of their life, she needs to have a discussion with her husband. She's not called to be silent on that. It doesn't mean that she has a lesser value than her husband. Why do we know that? If we look in First Peter, it says of her that she is coherent. And because of that, the husband is called her, is called to treat her with consideration. But being submit doesn't mean that you have lesser value. In that case, we, we were going to see that Christ has lesser value than God. She is called to hope in God in every kind of injustice that she will be facing. And that's interesting because we see that play in the life of, of, of Sarah. When Agar and her son were mocking Israel, she complained to Abraham. She didn't keep silence. She said, My child will not inherit with the shadows of, of the slave. And her voicing out was according to what God wanted to do. So she's called to voice out her opinion in every decision. Now, another expression to her husband. Now, it's a time where the Lord now asks the wife to get out of the room and asks the husband to enter into the room. And he tells me this, husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water from the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain and recall any other blemish but holy and blameless, in this same way, husband ought to love their wives at their own bodies. He will love his wife, love himself. After all, 
no one ever hating their own, their own body, but they feed and care for the body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. I remember a, a couple of Sundays ago, I was called to open the breaking of bread, and that was the passage that I used to kind of show, share how great was Christ's care for his church. So, it is these same feelings, same uh, 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 um, wonder that I had as I read this passage. When he says, husband love, is the word agape, which is used, which if we are familiar with uh, as Christian, we understand that is the love that is used to display the love that God the Father shown to us when we send Jesus Christ. And it means to prefer or to a preference for someone, to wish well to someone, to regard, to have regard for the welfare of someone, to esteem, to cherish someone. And we see that in how Christ loved the church. We see that Christ, by loving the church, gave himself up for the church. He says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Meaning that Christ deemed the church life so important, so valuable, that he accepted to lose his physical life in order that she will come to him. We understand Christ's love as being a sacrificial love. The love that does not think of himself first, but think of the other. And that is the kind of love that is called here, that is, the husband is, is called to embrace. Not only that, Christ also continues to take care of each other church. He cares for our instruction. That's why he gave the apostle, the prophet, and the teachers that we read in Ephesians 4. These all is done so that the church will be built up. She will grow. She will be mature. So we see that he does care for the church. We see that also Christ's love for the church comes also in the way that he desired a well-being. It is says that in the passage that we're reading that he wants her we want to present that church to him glorious, without blemish. We want the church to participate in his own glory. And why? Because he, she is him. Because she is one with him. Because she is his body. Christ's church also means that what he wants for the church is that she will also follow him and joyfully. Christ does not require oppressive submission. He requires willing submission. He requires joyful submission. And the church does that as she sees the well-being
master has brought for her. Sure. Husband, I'm not perfect. Bear of Christ. They fail in many, in many, many ways. Which is can make make it even more difficult the idea of submitting or even to want to follow the husband. Because in many, many occasions we are wrong in things that we decide we want to do. Our wives shows more uh, 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 wisdom than we do. What it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean that. Excuse me. But before I go there, one other point that is given to help the husband as he consider what it means to love his wife and respond to that call to love his wife is also his own body. So as, as I think, how can I love my wife? How can I love Angelica? And as I grow in, in our relationship, learn to love her even more. My own body is given to me as an example. How, how do I take care of my, my body? Well, for many people, for sure, they don't take care of their body. No, they don't feed their body. But this is not the kind of idea that Paul has. Paul has the idea that we naturally want to care for our body. We feed it, we clothe it, we make sure that we are in good health, we go to the doctors. So we give all this kind of care to show that our physical body is important to us. So we can take as husband clues from there to how we can relate to our wives. Now, as we look to these two examples that are given to the husband, what it means to love his wife, in some practical way, it can mean that, first of all, he, he accepts the call that God has given him to be her head. Accept to have the primary responsibility as head to provide, to care for the family. I say primary responsibility. I'm not saying that he has a sole responsibility. Meaning that if discussion has to come into the house of how are we going to do so that we have food, the husband should be the first one to be willing to go, unless he's debilitated. Which means that if there is a danger that comes into the house, the husband should be the first to say, no, all my family behind me, and not let the wife put the right before him. What it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean that he replaces Christ. Christ is still her head, as he is his head. He is not the soul to bear the providing, the protection, and the leading of the family. Sometimes we find that very mature Christian couple figure this out together. We figure out in the way that, oh, maybe the wife doesn't need to work. And she can take care of all that self stuff. The husband solely because his income is sufficient to provide the family. Maybe that's not the case of the family. And then the wife has to go out and work. That's fine. The husband should not respond to every desire of his wife. He has to be wise as well, as a wife is called to be wise. And more important thing, 
he should not force or demand a submission as the head. As once again, what calls Christ is encouraging is a willing, joyful submission. And we all know, as somebody was saying to me, that uh, a smiling wife, a good-looking wife, is a happy man or happy husband. Meaning that he can take care of his wife. He will find his own way. Once again, why? Because the reality is that she is. So these words I have now in my heart for each one of us, and I hope that really, as we listen to this passage in Ephesians, that we will feel encouraged in the call that God has given us. Because that blueprint still stands, the reality of Christ's marriage and who Christ is and the way we need to do this justice. We will surely die to ourselves and we follow it. And I mean that we will surely die to ourselves as we follow the Lord. Yet the price is worth it. And we should be willing, both husband and wife, to pay it. Because at the end, we will hear the master say it. Well done. Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Let us pray. And the uh, help I was talking to some of the elders. If there is a couple here who need prayer for encouragement, the elders are willing to be here. I will pray and I'll ask my brothers, fellow elders, to come out so that if there is anyone, we just need prayer and we just pray for you. Because we are in the joy together. We need that encouragement. As we daily we are called to love, to submit to each other. Lord, we pray that we find encouragement in your world as we listen to it. Father, give us the strength to obey and to joyfully apply the word into our lives. So that at the end, we will always shine brighter into our families, but also in the face of the world. Keep us as we go home. Help us to be kind to us.